The Treehouse of Liberty podcast is hosted by Jason Fornwald and comes to you from the bright red western corner of the bright blue state of Maryland. Hello again, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome into the Treehouse of Liberty podcast. I am your host, Jason Fornwald, and thank you so much once again for joining me. I certainly do appreciate it. It's really nice to be back in the saddle. I haven't done a show for about three weeks. Life has kind of gotten in the way a little bit, and unfortunately, this is still a hobby for me. Um, I'd like to be able to convert it into a full-time job at some point, but we're nowhere close to that. <laughs> um, of course, you guys could help with that. Let your friends, your family, uh, you know, anybody that you care about, let them know if you like the show and uh, see if they'll tune in as well. And I certainly do appreciate you guys getting the word out there. As always, you can contact the show anytime. There are a number of different ways to do that. You can contact us on Twitter. We are at Treehouse1776, at Treehouse1776. Uh, it's Treehouse of Liberty podcast on there. Uh, we also have a Facebook page. It's Treehouse of Liberty, oddly enough. Uh, you can contact me via my personal Facebook page. My name is Jason Fornwalt. My last name is spelled F as in Frank, O-R-N as in Nancy, W-A-L-T as in Tom. And finally, you can contact me by email if you wish to do so. My email address is jdfornwalt, obviously spelled the same way, at gmail.com. And if you do contact me, please just put listener commentary, um, either as the subject line of what you send me or somewhere early in the message that you do send. Whether you have a comment, a question, something you'd like to be used on the show, please just use listener commentary. Certainly do appreciate that. In the time since we talked last, obviously the Mueller report has been released, and I am not going to beat that into the ground. I'm sure you've heard it discussed ad nauseum by virtually every news and commentary outlet on planet Earth. There's really no reason for me to continue to do that, Um, but I will hit the highlight, and that is that Robert Mueller decided there was no collusion between Russian operatives and any American citizen. No one in the Trump organization, no other Americans. Trump himself didn't collude. The campaign didn't collude. There were no Americans that helped the Russians collude to interfere with our election. That is it. That is the be-all. That should be the end-all. And it's over. It's game over. You know, I mean, you have people like Adam Schiff continuing to push this investigation You know, we talked about weeks ago that there was going to be nothing in the Mueller report, and there wasn't. And I explained then that that's why they're subpoenaing Trump's tax records and his business records. Now they're going after his uh, kids' debit card usage from when they were 18 and 20 years old. I mean, it's absolutely freaking ridiculous. The, The Democrats are grasping so hard at straws, trying to find anything that they possibly can to get rid of this guy for one simple reason, and that's the fact that they don't like him. Unfortunately for them, that's not how things work in the United States, or Barack Obama would have been an eight-day president, not an eight-year president. Because God knows there are a lot of us that couldn't stand him. But what, what did we do? You know, we stood back, we allowed him to do his job, we allowed him to execute the office of the president of the United States to the best of his ability, which sucked, but we allowed him to do it anyway. You know, and we were respectful enough to allow him the opportunity to do that. You know, we we have enough sense to realize that the Constitution doesn't give us the right to remove a sitting president because we don't like the guy. You know, if that were the case, there would be half of the country trying to remove the president every four years. 
You know, Democrats just need to grow up. They need to let this stuff go. We get it. We understand. You don't like Trump. Frankly, we don't care. We didn't like Obama for eight years. We didn't like the fact that you guys saw to it that, you know, the working poor people who couldn't afford health insurance and didn't qualify for their state exchanges were getting fined because they couldn't afford health care. And that money was being used to pay for people sitting on their asses eating Cheetos to get their health care paid for. We didn't like that very much. We didn't like giving the Taliban back five of their top commanders for a deserter, including Osama bin Laden's personal assistant. We didn't like dropping $150 billion on the runway in Iran, presumably to keep Iran from you know, doing anything with their nuclear program. I'm sure that money went straight into their nuclear program. You know, I could go on and on. You know, Fast and Furious. There were all kinds of legitimate reasons to not like Barack Obama. Of course, you brought up many of those while he was president. You were a racist. You know, I don't know why you don't just get called a name and minimized if you don't like Donald Trump. But I, I don't know. I mean, I guess the, the Democrats make the social rules. And apparently, you know, you're allowed to go after our guy for no reason. But you get called names if you go after theirs for for absolutely legitimate reasons. Um, but regardless, um, you know, once again, the, the mother report is in, absolutely no collusion. That is it. It's over. Nancy Pelosi said during the, the course of the investigation that Mueller can't be fired. You know, Republicans have to wait. We've got to get the answers. We have to listen to what Mueller has to say. Okay. We heard what Mueller has to say. Can we listen to it now? Can we accept that as fact now? You know, I mean, Democrats didn't accept the election. Now they're not going to accept the Mueller report. They're not going to be placated until they get something that caters to their messed up notion of whatever the hell they think is wrong with Donald Trump. I can tell you a whole lot about what's right with Donald Trump. All of the markets are through the roof and have been. They've set over 200 records since the guy took office. You know, unemployment is at all-time lows for Asians, blacks, Hispanics, women, and the differently abled. If you're not a member of one of those groups, man, I'm really sorry about your bad freaking luck because, you know, unemployment for you is only the lowest that it's been in 50 years since Neil Armstrong was walking on the freaking moon. You know, Kim is not lobbing missiles over our allies anymore. Kim is not lobbing missiles in the direction of our territories. Vladimir Putin's not walking into Ukraine and stealing parts of sovereign countries with no response from the U.S. You know, Trump's doing a damn good job. He's on pace to potentially be the best president we've had since frickin' Lincoln already. And this is halfway through his first term. And this is having to put up with a bullcrap investigation from before the day he took office. Imagine if he was able to focus his full attention and his full resources on the running of the freaking country. Stand down, Democrats. You have lost again. Stand down. It really is that simple. Now, I was a little disappointed with Mueller in that he left the door open as far as obstruction of justice. That's really not how our system's supposed to work. If you're a prosecutor and you decide not to charge somebody, you don't then publish a book or publish a letter or publish a report that says, oh, well, you know, maybe there's, these are the reasons that obstruction could have been charged. You know, it's like you either charge the guy or you don't. And if you don't, you're done. Go away. Shut up. It's over. I mean, it's absolutely ridiculous, and I'm tired of it. I'm absolutely tired of it.
I can't imagine walking around in Donald Trump's shoes from day to day. You know, being the president of the United States is already the most stressful and difficult job on planet Earth. And then to face these ridiculous allegations every day of your existence and every day of your presidency, are you kidding me? It's like Nancy Pelosi. If, if we did have to listen to what Mueller had to say, if Mueller couldn't be fired because his work was so important, then freaking listen to what he has to say. And Adam Schiff, you can shut up and go away. Yeah, I am so tired of listening to your crap. This dude... He actually thought he was colluding with Russians to get damaging information on Donald Trump that he was going to use to damage the Trump campaign. What does that sound like? That sounds like to me that he thought he was colluding with Russians. Turns out they were comedians who pranked the ever-loving hell out of him because he's a complete and total dumbass. But as far as he was concerned, he was colluding with Russians to damage the Trump campaign. So it's like... How in the hell can someone like that be leading the investigation into the president of the United States, who the special prosecutor said there's absolutely no evidence that he or his campaign colluded with Russians? How can he be leading that? How can Schiff be leading that? You want to talk about dangers. You want to talk about threats to democracy in our elections and our way of life. Start with Adam Schiff. And I have tried every possible way in my power to get a hold of this absolute, disgusting, pathetic little coward. I have messaged him on Facebook. I have used his congressional page. I have tweeted him countless times. You know, letting him know that I'm not going to let this issue go and that the American people deserve a response. He hasn't said a word. He hasn't responded to anything. He cowers in his little hole like the varmint that he is, hiding from the fact that he is the one that is a disgrace and a threat to America. And I know, I know, I get it. If you haven't heard about this story, it sounds like I'm completely over the top. You know, it sounds like I'm just calling names and ranting and raving. But I'll tell you what, I actually want you guys to listen to this clip. This is Adam Schiff with these two Russian comedians thinking that he's colluding with them to get damaging information on Donald Trump. Take a listen to this and see what you think. In Moscow in November 2013, he met with a a journalist and... and Well, she's a poor journalist. But anyway, uh, she became famous because of uh, Putin is her godfather. Okay, Putin is a godfather. Okay. She also known as a person who provides uh, uh, girls for escort for oligarchs, and she met with Trump, and she brought him one-hour Russian girl celebrity Olga Buzova, who also known as a person with a strange reputation. Olga, and and how do you spell her name? Olga Buzova. And what's the nature of the compromise? Well, there were pictures of naked Trump. Mm-hmm. And so Putin was made aware. Uh, of the the availability of the compromising material? Yes, of course. Uh, Thank you very much. We will be back in touch uh, with you through our staff uh, to make uh, arrangements uh, to obtain these materials for our committee and and for the FBI, and and I appreciate your reaching out to us. So there you have it, folks, and there you have it, Bob Mueller, an American thinking he was conspiring with Russians to damage the Trump campaign, and it is Democrat chairman of the Intelligence Committee, Adam Schiff. 
Ladies and gentlemen, I hope you will join me in trying to contact him and demand answers from him. He answers to the people, not the other way around. Let's make it happen. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to give my blood pressure the opportunity to come back down just a little bit, and we're going to continue with my dissection of the Bill of Rights that we started just about three weeks ago, the last time I did a show. We kicked that off in the most logical place I could think of, and that was starting with the First Amendment. So it would only stand to reason that this week we're going to continue with the Second Amendment, and that's exactly what we're going to do. The Second Amendment states, A well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. As we talked about last week, our founders fled tyranny. Um, you know, King George was very oppressive. Um, he limited what they could say, what they could do. He forced them to quarter soldiers, which we'll talk about next week when we get into the Third Amendment. Um, but basically domineered every aspect of their lives. Um, and what they wanted for us was to make sure that we didn't live in fear of a government like they had. Um, they wanted our government to at least, at the very least, have a healthy respect for the people. Um, the way Thomas Jefferson put it, and what this podcast's name is based on, um, he said, The tree of liberty must, from time to time, be watered with the blood of patriots and tyrants. Our founders viewed armed revolution as an occasional necessary evil. Um, you know, did they always want the people taking pot shots at the government? Did they want the, the government cracking down on its people violently? No, of course not. But when a government became truly oppressive and truly tyrannical, they wanted the people to have a means to defend themselves. They wanted the people to be able to stand up for their rights and stand up for what it was that they believed in. That's why they went to war with the world's only superpower at the time. So, you know, they, they wanted the government, if not to have a fear, to at least have a healthy respect for the citizenry. So now that we know what the purpose of the Second Amendment is, it's time to start asking some questions. You know, if the, if the government is supposed to be fearful or at least respectful of me, what should I be allowed to own to protect myself from a government that has nuclear weapons? I mean, what actually places the fear back on them? Is there anything? Where do we draw that line? What should I be allowed to own? There's lots of popular arguments for restricting the Second Amendment. Um, the first, first and foremost, obviously, is school shootings. And let me make something abundantly clear. No one wants to see a school shooting happen. Not me, not you, not a Democrat, not a Republican, not somebody that opposes the NRA, not the president of the NRA. Nobody wants to see a school shooting happen. And it's disingenuous to say that supporters of the Second Amendment don't care about our kids. Nothing could possibly be further from the truth. Um, it's cliche, but it's also true. You know, what happens when there's a bad guy with a gun? What do we do? The first thing we do is call in a good guy with a gun. You know, and banning guns from lawful, law-abiding people is, to me, the equivalent of banning cars because some people drive drunk. Or because in Europe we've seen vehicles used to cause mass casualties, you know, driving up on the sidewalks and running over people. 
You know, or what about Oklahoma City? You know, does anybody remember that? But, but there's no push to ban cars. There's no push to ban trucks because some people misuse them. You know, and they've used them to inflict mass casualties. So it's an apples-to-apples -apples comparison. You know, why is there no push to ban cars? There's only a push to ban guns. And we don't even have the right to drive a car guaranteed to us in the Constitution of the United States. Driving a car is a privilege. Owning a gun is a right. You know, I, I just don't understand. And then you have those people that say, well, you don't need an AK-47 to hunt. And I, I just... I just shake my head when I hear people say this, you know, I mean, it's like, if you're going to talk about the Second Amendment in relation to hunting, then you've just told me that you have no understanding of the Constitution. And you certainly have no understanding of the Second Amendment. There's nothing in the Second Amendment that says anything about hunting. You know, that's because that wasn't the intention. You know, if the founders wanted to talk about what we were going to use to hunt, that's what they would have said. You know, the language that they used was, was unambiguous. Um, you know, and they didn't restrict us in that way, saying that, well, we're going to allow you these firearms, but only for hunting. That's, that's just not what happened. It's not what it's for. The other thing that you'll hear people talk about is they'll say, well, you know, you're not part of a well-regulated militia. Okay, and that's true. But what these people fail to recognize or fail to um, fail to give credit to is the case, Supreme Court case, D.C. versus Heller, which is the current law of the land. And D.C. versus Heller said that the well-regulated militia clause and shall not be infringed clause are two wholly separate thoughts. They're completely independent of each other. It's interesting that the founders used a semicolon in between the two of those. It's like they wanted it to be a hard stop. You know, and the second part of the Second Amendment is a complete sentence. The right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed, period. It's a complete sentence. It's a complete thought. And D.C. versus Heller, as I said, determined that the two portions of the Second Amendment are indeed wholly separate and independent thoughts. And my question for those people that say, well, you're not part of a well-regulated militia, I would cite D.C. versus Heller. And like, oh, you know, we, well, that's not what I believe, and that's, that's not the truth. Well, then why can I not say, oh, well, I don't believe Roe v. Wade, and that's not what I think, and that's not the truth? It's like, if you want me to believe your Supreme Court case that decided the law of the land, then don't you also have to believe my Supreme Court case that decided the law of the land? And aren't you a complete hypocrite if you don't? I don't like abortion, I'll be honest. But I understand that it is the law of the land. And in some cases, it's a necessary evil. And I, I'm not going to get into that. I don't want to talk about abortion, quite honestly. You know, that date, debate's been had, and we've beaten that into the ground as much as humanly possible. And truthfully, I have no interest in it. But... It's absolutely true. If Roe v. Wade is the law of the land, then so is D.C. versus Heller. You can't have one without the other. The other thing that really frustrates me is when a Democrat politician stands up and says, I'll stand up to the NRA. What I hear is I'll stand up against the Second Amendment. You know, because the NRA is the premier organization out there leading the defense of the Second Amendment. 
And if you're going to stand up to the people that are defending the second, then you might as well be standing up against the second yourself. You know, try it sometime. When you hear a Democrat talking about gun control and, and they talk about standing up to the NRA, in your head, substitute Second Amendment for NRA and see how your opinion of what they have to say changes. Then you'll have people that say, well, the founders meant we could have muskets. Really? It seems to me that these were pretty intelligent guys who pretty clearly laid out what the law of this new land was going to be. And I'm pretty sure that if they had meant muskets, they would have said muskets. They said arms because they knew technology would evolve. You know, and the people who say, well, you know, we should only be allowed to have muskets. Well, that's fine. Okay, no problem. Then in that case, don't post your opinions on Facebook. Don't push, post your opinions on Twitter. That's not speech, is it? They were talking about speech, right? Well, all of a sudden, no, that's different. So it's like if you're going to interpret things one way when it benefits you, don't you also have to interpret it another way when it benefits me? Or are you just going to be a hypocrite your whole life? And we've talked about it before, but words can be much, much more dangerous than guns. You know, Adolf Hitler's words led to the deaths of 7 million Jews and 36 million other people, or 36 million total people, 36 million lives lost. You know, and, and I don't know that Hitler ever picked up a gun himself, except when he shot himself in his bunker when we were closing in on him. I'm not real disappointed about that one, but, you know, it was his words. It was his rhetoric. It was his what? His speech that led to those deaths. I don't know that every gun in the history of the world has led to 36 million deaths, but Adolf Hitler's words did. His speech his speech, his words. You know, even the bombs that we dropped on Hiroshima, or the bomb that we dropped on Hiroshima, was estimated to have killed between 90 and 146,000 people. Again, Adolf Hitler's speech killed 36 million. So if you're going to fight vociferously for your right to speak freely, that's great. I support you a thousand percent. Even if you're saying something that I vehemently disagree with, I want you to be able to say it all day long. I signed my name on the dotted line twice that said I would give my life if it came to it to protect what's in the Constitution of the United States, and that includes your right to speak freely whether you disagree with me or not. And I couldn't support it more strongly. But now it's up to you to support my right to bear arms. So that brings us to the age-old question, or the be-all to end-all question. You know, if our government has nuclear weapons, then what should I be allowed to own to protect myself? What should I be allowed to own to give the government that healthy fear of me? Is there anything? You know, do I want every man, woman, and child in the United States to have a nuclear weapon? Hell no, of course I don't. There are people in my neighborhood that I don't want to have a nuclear weapon. But do I think the intent of the Second Amendment should exist today? I absolutely do. And I'll take it a step further than the founders probably did. I want my government to be afraid of me. 
not me personally, but we the people, I want them to be afraid to trample our rights. That kind of fear is a good thing. That's the kind of fear that makes a mother a good mother, scared to death that something's going to happen to her kid. And because of that fear that reaches the very depths of her soul, she does everything that she possibly can to protect him or her. And I want our government to look at us the same way. I want them to have that healthy fear. And I want them to make decisions that benefit us. And you may be thinking at this point, well, you know, Jason, we don't have to worry about tyranny anymore. It's a whole different world. We don't have kings, and we don't have this, and we don't have... Really? Really? Let's talk about warrantless wiretapping for a little bit. Let's talk about what the Bush administration did and why I left the Republican Party. The Bush administration decided after 9-11 that they were going to spy on every single electronic communication of every single American without probable cause and without a warrant. Sounds pretty tyrannical to me. I don't know about you. And then the Obama administration took that a step further. I actually voted for Barack Obama the first time, believe it or not. And one of the reasons I made that decision was because he said Bush's warrantless wiretap program is unconstitutional. Boom, Barry, you nailed it. Hell yeah, I'm on board, brother. Let's rock and roll. Let's get this repealed. Let's get it straightened out. Let's give me my rights and my freedoms back. You know, let, let's run through the streets and wave the American flag, dude. I am on board. And then he gets in office and expands it. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's like, so he admitted that he knew what he was doing was unconstitutional. And he made it a bigger violation of our constitutional rights. It's like there's nobody out there looking, looking out for us. I mean, it's absolutely ridiculous. So the government's already in all of our homes. They are. You know, and it's just another step, just one more step to kicking in your front door with no probable cause, no warrant, no reason, no excuse. And who does that start to sound like? King George? Adolf Hitler? Certainly not my United States of America. But I do think we have to find a balance. You know, and, and there is some kind of middle ground somewhere. And I'll be perfectly honest, I haven't figured out for myself where it is exactly yet. But we can't all have tanks and howitzers in our yards. You know, we can't, we can't all own a nuclear weapon. But, but where, is that, where is that sweet spot that allows us to protect ourselves from a government that we know in 2019 is tyrannical? What do we do? And then you have Democrats out there saying, well, we need to ban semi-automatic weapons. If they do that, we're screwed. We're absolutely screwed. All a semi-automatic weapon does is fire one round every time you pull the trigger. You know, a revolver is technically a semi-automatic gun. And if we the people are left with muskets... Tyranny is inevitable. It is absolutely inevitable. And I'll close with something that 
Emperor Hirohito of Japan said during World War II, and, and this just hammers my point home. You know, he, he explained very clearly why he never came to the mainland of the United States. He said, you cannot invade the U.S. mainland. There would be a gun behind every blade of grass. Hirohito was afraid of the American people. How do we make sure that our presidents are? And so that's going to do it for another episode of the Treehouse of Liberty podcast. And folks, I know you think I'm over the top when I talk about how much I appreciate your listenership. And believe me, every word that I say is absolutely sincere. It's from the heart. You know, whether I've got five listeners or five million listeners, it doesn't really matter to me. Um, each one of you matters to me. And so thank you very much for taking some time out of your day and spending it with me. Um, I know you have a lot of other options in the things that you can watch and things that you can listen to and the ways that you can spend your time. So uh, I remain eternally grateful for the fact that you would choose to spend some of that precious time with me. So thank you very much again. Um, as always, again, you can contact the show anytime you would like to. I certainly would appreciate it if you would do that. And I think we've covered enough controversial topics today that uh, we should probably generate some pretty good listener commentary, and we'll see how that goes. But, uh, again, you can contact me, Treehouse of Liberty Podcast, on Facebook and Twitter, jdfornwalt at gmail.com, or Jason Fornwalt, my personal page on Facebook. Once again, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much. This has been the Treehouse of Liberty Podcast. I am your host, Jason Fornwalt, and I will look forward to chatting with you next time. Take care. <laughs>